Yeah, that's us. <laughs> How are you? We are um, we are live with uh, Francisco, Leali, Rebecca, and Tim from Locked Groove. Yeah. Hi, How's guys. everybody? Hi. Hi. Good, good, good. Good. Long time no see, uh, Francisco. I mean, um, yeah, it's been about eight years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw Rebecca probably in the last year, still somewhere in. Um, I th Festival I'm one, last year. Yeah, probably. yeah, something like that. Yeah, and Tim, I've never met in real life. True. Yeah, I mean, there's nowhere we could meet now I, like this year. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I heard of you, which is which is yeah. uh, <laughs> which yeah. which is good enough to hang I'm out. Not, I guess. I'm not sure if that's actually good. That you heard, but <laughs> depends, depends what you heard. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they were only good things, so don't worry about it. Okay, great, great. <laughs> <laughs> well, good to have you all here. Um, Thank you. Uh, we you. have uh, we have some people showing up in the in the comments um, as usual. We are um, streaming this live on Twitch and on um, on YouTube, and people who are. Hey, Robin. Robin showing up, uh, as always, our dear friend. But people who are watching this on um, on Facebook, they cannot comment. But the people in uh, on YouTube and Twitch, they can just uh, um, yeah throw questions at us or uh, say hi or comment or whatever. And then um, if we uh, if we can uh, we can find the time, we can answer your questions or we can just say hi or whatever. Anyway, so um, so good evening, everybody. Um, I'm going to put myself full screen now because otherwise I'm just going to be distracted. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I, I'd like to start with Francisco because it, it was an intriguing journey. You took the last uh, few years because we yeah. were just re we were discussing in the pre-chat the last time we see saw each other. And that was during um, touring, basically. So we played the, the same festival and, and we hang out, hung out and kept in touch and sent each other music and stuff like that. Yeah, and then um, I mean I didn't forget about you, but it became somewhat quiet, and now yeah, yeah. I, we go back in touch, and and you you kind of made a career change, sort of bit, gradually, yeah. and now you're doing uh, you're scoring for movies and making music for ads and and stuff like that. And I checked it out, and it's absolutely amazing what you've done. Thank you so, very much. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So how, tell me how how was the how did the process go, and what what. Um, was there a plan or was it just something that no happened? it was completely random to be honest it was okay. um when I, I had been doing this some like scoring for ads before um well whilst touring and uh, playing with, and uh, djing and it was just like a, a thing on the side to be honest it was nothing nothing i ever would have thought would have been my main focus uh, then it started gradually developing a little bit more, and uh, I got into it a little bit more. I used to, I used to train at conservatories since like it was very small, so I started like reading music again and writing other kinds of music that weren't strictly electronic. And I assisted some composers on other jobs, and that's when I started to like get get into it a lot more. And I, I like we said before last time, it was a little bit too quick maybe because I stopped touring all of a sudden and I just did this. So my, I lost my main source of income, and I wasn't really sure if this was the best way to put it at the start. But then I gradually got better. I got more into it, and, and then just started just like working out. And now this is basically all I do. That's cool. So <clears throat> one thing that I always wondered, I mean, I, I've done um, you know the odd scoring or or advert job as well, 
but be- that's just because people found me you know uh, how, how do you how do you make yourself how, how do you make the fact known that you are available for this job and how, how do people find you how, how does it work initially initially it was it was actually quite organic because i have a weird amount of friends that work <laughs> in advertising like it's weird how many people i know that work in advertising or video makers and stuff like that so it's it's good to, like a lot of the jobs initially were people that i knew personally that had other people probably would have no idea who i was or if i was mm-hmm. able to do it like we said last time nobody is gonna write a movie that takes them five years and just go to a random person and ask them to score it without knowing them or knowing their work or, or like having something that where they, they can relate to so initially it was more like um me reaching out to friends or then when you start having your own portfolio maybe some people start reaching out to you um and yeah and it just saw click that you, you you know you keep in touch with other agencies or directors or uh, and they, when they come across, maybe they're something that you're, you, they believe you're better at and that you maybe it's more your focus or your kind of genre. That's something you do maybe a little bit better than other stuff. Then they will get in touch with you. It's, mm. it's a good, it's good because you get to, I like when I was touring, I think I met interesting people such as yourself, Rebecca, we played in stereo together in Montreal once many years ago. Uh, and then in this area here, you get to meet a lot of different people also that maybe are not strictly related to music, but like, you know, writers and directors. It's actually quite cool. Mm. I assume there needs to be a certain amount of um, trust between a director and somebody working oh, totally, yeah. uh, on on the on their sort of... Um, uh, work, you know, because you know, the, one thing is working, collaborating with with um, a person on an EP or even an album, mm-hmm. and it'll take you know a few weeks or months even. But um, you know, making a movie can take years. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's Very a big thing. Burden. It's a big thing burden. to to find the, the right person to to um, to get get involved in your um, in your dream that the vision that you had for such a long time. Well, yeah, maybe it's it's maybe like somebody performing something you've wrote for your album and you just trust them to do like maybe something of their own maybe and that's much smaller probably because we're talking about movies and stuff that maybe are very like i worked on a movie for somebody that had like a recent short film that yeah like it's a very much personal value he really it's a story of part of his life which was kind of kind of sad for him and it goes for the a divorce and stuff like that so a lot of he put a lot of himself in that movie so i was kind of like a little bit scared because it's such a personal thing. You don't want to mess it up. You mm. trust me with it. And uh, and then, you know, also there's like stuff like maybe like documentaries, which also like to take a while to do. And But that's maybe a little bit more, uh, you know, they give you references. And you, you before you start writing, you know what where you have to go. There is not like much improvisation, to be honest. Mm. Especially if it's, I just worked on a, a score for a National Geographic documentary. It's called Anouk, and it's coming out this winter, I think. And that was pretty much, much, much less of a burden, I'd say, just because uh, you knew that it was just like, it's going to be like this modern classical orchestral stuff that is just right for that kind of, you know, that kind of documentary. Whilst this short film was more, I think, um, as I said, a bit of a burden, and you were more, more scared and tread carefully because it's such a personal project. You don't want to mess it up. Mm. But yeah, it's it's part. I guess it's part of the part of the game. Cool. Um, yeah, I have. I actually have a lot more questions about the process and everything. But let's let's um, um, let's say hi to the other guests and um, yes. um, Rebecca. Um, hi. 
you didn't make it last last week, and and luckily you were able to to make it this week. How are you? You good with your tooth? Because uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you do, I don't know if you don't mind to talk me talking about it, but we actually mentioned it last week that you were uh, not feeling well, so that's the reason why you were. Uh, yeah, I uh, I mean I had three wisdom teeth taken out, um, but the one that I had taken out, I had them uh, two weeks in between. Um, the one, the last one that I had out was the day before. I was meant to do the show last time, so last week, um, and it was a bit of a hard extraction. Like they broke one of my, one of the the roots. Oh. So he was. Uh, it wasn't very pleasant. And um, then I went and did the cycling, which was okay at the time. But then afterwards, that's just uh, running all over the place. Um, yeah. So at, at the time it was fine, but then on the night it was just like it was literally throbbing. And then I think what. I was clamping down my journey just made it worse overnight so yeah I've got a dentist tomorrow and um, hopefully they're going to help get it better because it's still not really better wow ibuprofen oh, is my friend right now <laughs> right <laughs> well good good to have you here in a somewhat good health or better health than yeah. last week anyway thank you um yeah. So, so before we we uh, we got you on the show, we actually you we emailed a bit, and you were telling me you had a you have something new cooking up in the studio. What uh, do you want to talk about? That something um, something you want to share? Because I'm interested to, yeah, to hear about it. I so basically, you know, obviously we're not working, so it's just like thinking about different ways that we can um, generate income and come up with different things uh, that aren't reliant on DJ fees. So I kind of wanted to do something with production, but obviously there's so much stuff about production, like how to learn to mix, how to make a track. So my always, my ideas is always about how to be creative. Like how do you get into a creative headspace? So what I've kind of done is I've created a challenge. Um, it's going to be like days of making 10 tracks. Um, I'm going to take every day um, a new objective to give to the people that want to join the challenge and um, we'll make a new track every day that's the goal and at the end of 10 days if you're still there and you've made 10 tracks um, Native Instruments has given me some prizes to give away and uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun, really um, oh, wow. okay so so it's basically <laughs> you you're you're the you're the the, uh, the 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 person who gives out a challenge or challenges people with with uh, you're basically giving the assignments and people have to keep up with your assignments and then yes. who's basically the one that comes out the strongest yeah. and who will be the judge yourself or well, is it the collective not, thing yeah it's going to be i think we're going to have community on metal so the idea is at the end of the day we upload our tracks because i'm going to do it myself you can join too if you're up for it oh wow um, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then it's not just going to be like who made the best tracks it will be you know who met all the objectives maybe or the, you know the person that critiques other people's music the best or you know so it's just like building a community in a different way how we speak to one another and I think it's going to be really good for people that may not have so many people around them in real life that can give them feedback on music so there's a bit of ideas to like how to to build that community and and learn a bit as well and and so and for people that really get stuck in the loops as well you know when you can't get out of a loop or you don't know what's going to come next 
um, I'm going to put like a little toolbox together so you can use a few tools to help. So you know, it's going to also be like learning as well in, in the That's course. Cool. There's a lot of things, hoping. A lot of things <laughs> combined in, into one, a lot of things combined into one project. You know, it's building community, kind of coaching, um, education, um, fun. I guess. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, try and cool. get away from like, you know, you've got like a whole day to make the track, like you're not going to over it, you just got to do it. Um, and, you know, we, you know, when you make a track, you know the ones that come out really well, you've done it in three hours and it's like it's a banger or, you know, you've just mm. all the feeling that you had is kind of worked in the right way to create the track. But, you know, the one where you just sat on for weeks and weeks and you just like, oh, you just hit your head against the brick wall. Mm. You know, like, so, so I kind of want to try and get people into making stuff a little bit faster um, with no real expectation of just, like, stick to the brief and let's do it. So how does it actually work? <laughs> do you have a, a Discord server or something? Or how, well, how does the community um, communi communicate? What, what is the means of uh, uh, communication? So it'll be, um, I've got the actual challenge will come on to uh, an actual website, which is like, which hosts courses. And then you will upload your music to Metapod. So Native Instruments has got this, um, this whole community. It's kind of a little bit like SoundCloud, but with message boards and um, you can upload your tracks there and then you can, you can literally comment on these tracks. So it's very much about uh, but it's a little bit more community it's going to be a little bit tighter so we will have people that are doing the challenge will just have like a private group where mm. they can communicate and you know we're, we're all going to be up there <laughs> hopefully like trying to guide people through this 10 days of uh track making nice and is there a launch date i'm aiming for the first of december so okay. there's a little bit of work that i need to do in the next week to get it ready um and yeah i kind of like what i did was i kind of stolen the idea you know like the fitness models on instagram they're always selling something aren't they whether it's like fitness tea or um you know or a challenge or a course and i just thought no one's really done that with with making music you know people are doing courses but not yeah. like in a challenge kind of way so mm -hmm. i kind of stole that model <laughs> awesome. Yeah, good. All right. So, so I know what you'll be doing, Tim, for uh, from December first onwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Weirdly enough, I've made more music than at normal times. Like, I mean, I moved the studio back home a while ago, um, which also helped. Um, not. I'm just. I just wake up and I start where before I would be like, uh, maybe I'm not going in today. Like, just gonna stay home, just do nothing, basically. But now, I'm, almost every day, I'm making music. I mean, apart from the weekends, usually, but like, Monday to Friday. Yeah. I think so I did. A bunch of albums, uh, Love Groove's albums to uh, well, take forward to actually, I did. Well, I already did two, uh, two <laughs> albums in the last couple of months now, and then a couple of more EPs. Um, so actually quite a lot. Uh, I mean, not all of it's great, obviously, but uh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I remember receiving a message from you recently saying, I just finished my discovery for the whole of 2021. 
Yeah, that's you're true. Sorted for next year. Yeah, I mean, all the EPs for next year are already so- sorted, to be fair. So that's, yeah, I mean, it's all, yeah, well, which is also kind of a trap you can fall into because you end up making so much music and you go faster and faster and faster. But then, I mean, I'm not sure if I will release all of the stuff that I actually made now because, I mean, sometimes you listen to a track for like three weeks and I'm like, I hate this. I'm not going to release it. So you found you were more productive in this period rather than... I guess so, yeah. Yeah, but because I'm also producing more and I listen to the tracks more, I also end up hating them faster, <laughs> which is, <laughs> which is, I mean... Um, so, yeah, but I, mean, I think the next two EPs are already, already they're done, so that's good. Uh, which I it think might- it's important to... Sorry. I've got a question. Do you... Yeah. Wait, the fact that you've made so much music, do you... Kind of like reinventing the wheel when you're making music, or do you like to every track has to be completely different, or do you have your own style? I mean, I know that you definitely have your own style, but are you just just going with that? It it kind of depends. I did. I mean, I was fortunate to work on like a a really nice uh, project uh, a while ago. Um, I think a couple of people did it already. Can I forgot who? Like a couple of people in techno did it. It's like a soundtrack for a guy who wrote his book about uh, the ocean. He traveled, oh, yeah. yeah, the outlaw ocean. He traveled like for five years on the ocean and he asked a bunch of people to write the soundtrack. And that was actually, it, it felt that I had to do something completely different. So that was like kind of reinventing myself, sort of. But for the most part, I don't know. I just, I never really think about it when I produce. I just, do it and then yeah because when i start doing that like oh maybe i should try this i'm setting myself up for failure i know it mm-hmm. because i'm just gonna sit here and then just like i hate this or like this is not working or i start like eqing in a hyatt for five hours and then i'm like yeah this is not going anywhere i think that yeah the most important thing for me is to just do it just get it done and then I don't feel the pressure that I need to like do something different or like reinvent myself or something like that. Do you feel? Do you feel you've got um, <clears throat> um, maybe got away a little bit from from uh, thinking about music as a functional thing? Because definitely. That's no- yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've made a lot of weird stuff over the, like that would that would not necessarily work in a club. I don't think that's a bad thing because you learn so much from it as well that you can apply to club music as, as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I have a piano at home because the studio is at home. Now I, now I can record piano more easily and use that uh, in music as well, uh, which opens up a lot of possibilities as well, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I always say that you know, no matter what you do in the studio, it's never a waste of time. You know, it's yeah. always good for something, even though it might not end up on a on a release or a record, or you know, you might even yeah, ditch true. it, but you might even just bin it or whatever altogether. But um, t- you always pick up something from it. You know, there's always a, an experience and a, and something it teaches you, I guess. Yeah. Do you, ever happen, do you ever happen to like when you don't write music, like maybe? fix your template or find how to use a plugin properly. Ah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Days. If you don't days. have, you don't have like the creative input that day, at least you can still do something that maybe the next day will help you 
write something else. I feel I feel that's kind of helpful. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We've talked about it on on uh, on this uh, chat before, but uh, admin days are definitely something so, that can you help you. Okay. Yeah, I call them ad admin days. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> make making a, a drum kits or. Um, uh, yeah, just I don't know, whatever, doing something to your template, or uh, I don't even have a template, but I, you know, just organizing <laughs> stuff on your, on your computer, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, my desktop is an absolute nightmare at the moment, <laughs> uh, like maybe I should do that. <laughs> yeah, 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 are you one of these people that just uh, have files sitting everywhere on their it's desktop? It's full, yeah. <laughs> Luckily, all, all, my, all my project files, like all my Ableton project files and all the samples, they are on an extreme external hard drive so that's quite organized but like all the yeah it's like I take a lot of screenshots of like memes and send them to Francisco or something <laughs> <laughs> they're all on there they're all on there <laughs> I have zero icons on my desktop it has nothing <laughs> everything has its own folder I, I, I don't think I could sleep and I, <laughs> you know, I have a messy desktop I kind of like it it's like it gives you like a bit of like yeah it's okay. It's you. That's <laughs> true. Well, you know, some so it might you know some of some people. I mean, this studio is. If if you walk in in here for the first time, you might think it's messy because there's just stuff everywhere. You know. Oh, by the way, but, it looks beautiful. I still didn't compliment. Well, maybe from, from from this perspective, but it's a. Uh, there is there's lots lots of uh, stuff just uh, lying around or you know, slightly cluttered. But I know where everything is, you know. I know okay, every yeah. case if I'm yeah. – I hardly ever have to search for something if I'm looking for something. You know, even the weirdest uh, adapter cable thing, I don't know. You know, I know where it is. I know every, where everything is. So uh, – but I'm, I think I'm in between Tim and Francisco as it comes to being organized on a computer. Okay. I have some stuff on my desktop, but I have a very rigid way of archiving things. Really, really, really consistent so I can I can find anything basically I've ever done you know like instantly. So um, in that sense, I think it's organized. But I do need some uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, times when I when I go on my desktop or on my hard disk and sort of reorganize everything. So it's not. And uh, that's my next question: Do you guys keep everything, or do you like every every once in a while? Like if it's not worth it, yeah, I'll just bin it. Some I so I know some people that just like keep every single. File. I mean, I lost I lost a bunch. Uh, I mean, the first things I Span. did. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> the first things I did, I lost uh, because of a computer crash, and then after that, I just bought like external hard an external hard drive because I was like I lost like five. Well, only the project files, like five releases or something. But after that, yeah, I I tend to keep everything. Even oh, if it's just even like work in progress, like not stuff that you finish. Oh, yeah, I keep, yeah, I keep that because I, I sometimes I just go back to it and then it works out the second time around. Like, I'll have a, something that never like worked and I couldn't get it to like make it into a track, and then I go back six months later, and then an hour later the track's done. Yeah, because you uh, go back to it and get with fresh ears and yeah, yeah, yeah. You forget about the things you cared about at the moment and, exactly. and kind of rediscover yeah. them. Yeah, I know, I know the feeling. I never do though. I mean, if I, I if yeah. I don't get it right the first time, it's just uh, out of the out of the yeah. window. Forget exactly. about it. I'll start something new. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Rebecca? Are you a recycler or are you um, <laughs> more like a, it's done next? Um, I know I, I go back in and I try and recycle things. So I try, I'll try and make something else with it. 
or or I have one project now one project like four things get made I don't know like I start saving them as different versions and things and then maybe a few different tracks come out of the one project that maybe I'm not working like I can't get quite right so yeah it's, yeah I go back because it's it's like I don't I'm not I'm one of these people that I don't do making music all the time so I have like fits and starts so I'll have like a period of time where I'm in there all the time and for me to then like waste a couple of days on something that's not going to work it feels wrong so I feel like I have to stick with it and try and get something out of it um, and I keep all of my projects um, purely because I like to recycle the kicks as well okay. you know when you get a really good kick that works in a track and you know it, it's something good and then I'll try and recycle that and I, I'm not as organized as you guys as making drum kits and everything I'm like I try and make a track really fresh um but with the kicks I will use the kicks again like a couple of times and um, but maybe I'll layer them a little bit differently to to get a different feel in with oh the, you, the next you layer track. kicks even I layer them Yes. <laughs> is that not a techno thing? I don't know. I just go yeah. with it, or I, I go with something, or I don't. But I don't try to make something out of uh, something which it isn't. If you know what I mean. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, I think it depends on the situation where you, in like, what kind of track you use it in, right? I mean, I like to, yeah, I like to, I layer like three or four sometimes, depending on what you because some stuff is good for high more like clicky stuff and then Joseph yeah, <laughs> <laughs> every time Tim is talking somebody shows up and says hi yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get it in real life too <laughs> in my living room people, like, fo <laughs> people following you in the street <laughs> Tim walks to so the supermarket it's like hey Tim hey Tim <laughs> <laughs> Can't go around with them; they stop them everywhere. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, thing is, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, kicks back to kicks. So yeah. I got told. So this is what I got told when I started producing music. They uh, threw out there a tip where he layered his kicks, and that was like the biggest tip that I could get at the time. And then for me, that really worked. But it might just be because I really struggle with compression. I still struggle with compression. It's like. Um, just getting my head around it I don't know I, for me maths is never my strongest point I'm not going to lie so it, I use my ears a lot more than you know like doing mathematical equations with my plugins um, and maybe that's wrong so I think the way around me having that sort of not as much knowledge was to sort of layer the kicks and work with them and try and mold them and try and create something else and use effects in a different way, I suppose. I mean, uh, to Is be that honest, wrong or I right? I don't know. No, no, Rebecca, you're, <laughs> you're, the, first person, right. you're the first person ever I, I heard saying maths and compression in one sentence. I mean, I, I, I really don't understand what you're talking about. I mean, the compressor is a compressor and, it, you know, when it sounds good, it sounds great. And if it doesn't, you know, you ditch it. You know what I mean? That's the way... Yeah. Uh, that's the way I'm used to working with it. I I, I, don't, I hardly ever walk, look at numbers or, or or things. Anyway, you know. I mean, it's I think a, compression is such a complex thing to uh, to use. Like, I mean, it's, it's something you can keep on learning about for the rest of your career. 
I don't think it's also, it's also a creative tool. Like there's there's ways of rocks, but some I know some. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen people work with compression in different ways than I did. It's like, is that right? It's like it's not supposed to be right. It's supposed to sound. So, right. Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, you can sure. use it in so many. You can use it in so many ways. You can have like a series of uh, plugins that all do a little bit of compression, like maybe just one dB here and there, and and have the you know sort of get more level out of it on the other end, or you can use it as an effect, you know, to really really make things suck or squash things and i don't know uh, but but looking at it as a as a scientific thing i, I don't know th i don't know it there's there are, once you understand the fundamentals and you know what it's supposed to do and you get a desired outcome it's that's the only criterion and if you don't get the desired outcome it's uh, you have to move to something else and even though the fundamentals are pretty much the same for every compressor they all sound totally different as well <coughs> so you know, it's. Um, yeah, I think true. there's more. There's more. Um, uh, I think it helps more to be intuitive about it than to be scientific about it. I think, unless you're. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even know how to go about it scientifically. So well, train mixing. Yeah. So, so yeah. Rebecca, can you explain what you mean about about? It's, well, it's the way that I, it was described. Is like you know you you're pushing up frequencies how much do you want to push them up and then obviously then you have this thing that I know it was like it cuts it off but it was the ratio against the release against the something and then yeah I, I'm, I'm probably very very blonde right now <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm, I'm just wondering but no, I, but, uh, yeah I mean it, it's, it is like any other um, sound shaping tool you know you like it or you yeah. don't like it Basically, yeah. I never liked it, and whenever I put a kick through it, <laughs> that's probably it as well. Like over compressed kicks, because obviously now over compressed kicks is really in. You know, this cutting through the mix, like this mid kick, is really popular in techno and hard techno, especially. And I hated that because it just reminded minimal. <laughs> so, like I could just any time I hear that kick, I was like, oh, it's minimal. It's a minimal kick. Stop it. So. I went the opposite way and then I made the heavier, you know, probably less compressed kicks that I could possibly make to kind of be the opposite of anything minimal ever. Um, so, yeah, that's probably also part of why I don't use them as much. Do you, uh, One thing I, 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 uh, I'm curious about, do you use any of your, your DJing slash live programming skills when you're in the studio? Because... I mean, I think right now, or you know, when you, like in the last year or something, you've been more like DJing, DJing, right? But you, I've saw, I saw you plenty of times with a, an, what is it, a, so a Roland thing running along with whatever you were doing, and um, um, so like more like a hybrid type approach to to DJing. Um, and and you can create like a, a shitload of energy out of a very simple setup, you know. Do you do you use that as a, a as an approach to to producing as well, like using a simple setup and use your DJ skills to get something going? Mm, I tried like with the modular. So it's the modular that I was doing doing like touring with as a hybrid set, um, very very small one. So just a few little things like one oscillator, some hi hats, um, a clap. And then some effects as well, and um, yeah, I, I mean, I on a modular like typical Rebecca. I just went straight in, bought everything, um, <laughs> learned nothing, 
and <laughs> just played. It was a very expensive toy. But then every time I would record it, it's so fucking noisy. It's it's under control. And then when you bring it into a track, like it's, it's it just overpowers everything. It's like you have to bring everything up to kind of meet this modular sound. Um, so not as much as I would have liked to. I mean, the way that I kind of use my DJing skills is if I want to record like a synthesizer and I just do a jam. So I record like live jams mm. and then, you know, you just open filters and just, yeah, you go in with it as in, as, as you would like a live performance. But I think that's a normal production thing rather than necessarily a, a DJ tool. But obviously being DJing as a DJ, you have a better sort of skill set as a right, like for arrangements. That's kind of a given. Yeah, really. exactly. That's what. That's actually what I mean. I mean, you, you're you are um, when you are playing live, you are basically it's a way it's a way to be put on the spot, right? Because it has to happen there and then. There's no second chance. There's no no fucking about. It's just you know you do it or you don't basically. So you are really pushed to uh, to do this performance. And uh, I was asking about it because I I I noticed that it helps me in in the studio to. Get, <coughs> to get things laid out very quickly, you know, um, because you're used to, um, to really sort of, um, be in the moment and, and, um, get a flow instantly, you know, sometimes that also can be a bit of a, a hindrance, you know, like I kind of think techno shouldn't be about this formulated kind of thing that we do. And I think that, I feel like the music is really formulated at the moment. You know, the kids are just making fits, breakdown, hi hats come in after a playing kick after the breakdown, and you know, like it's just everything is formulated. And I think the modular is like the perfect way to kind of come out of that and then do the jams and just lot movement. And, and I, I feel like that's for me is the next part of my production direction, but it's really hard to like spend the time because it, it's going to sound shit for quite a while. Um, but I think yeah, that's buying, buying a, buying an entire modular <laughs> system in one go is it's probably a very bad advice <laughs> to anyone. Yeah. I mean, uh, but, I mean, you'll, you'll get your head around it at some point, you know, it, it'll, um, it'll yeah. yeah, but it takes, it takes hours and hours and days and days. No, but I was, I was basically, I'm sorry. I, I was I was talking about um, applying the, a sense of uh, flow in to anything really in the studio. Not necessarily how to build a track or a techno track in particular, but just um, you know, you you're you're uh, you basically you 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 develop a sense of improvisation. You know, uh, you develop um, um, an ear or um, a routine that can help you. Um, making sense of things in 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 a studio S stuff you picked up from playing live that's all i that's basically all i meant it doesn't necessarily mean that it you make sort of um you know tracks with the same flow as you would do live but it it just helps you you know mm, creating things quickly and stay in the flow for whatever you can apply that to anything and to any type of music really it's just a you know a direct decision thing you know what i mean rather than overthinking things Anywho, uh, we have Gumbo, yeah. Gumbo Rec. How do you handle the 
prepared slash improvisation in a live set or hybrid situation. Uh, okay, so I guess um, pre like material you've you've been collecting and sort of preparing in advance and um, how much is how much do you use that um, at the moment you are actually performing? I guess that's the question, right? Like preparation versus organization. Yeah. yeah. Who wants to answer? Well, Francesco, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, Fra, I mean, Fra, you did it with uh, CWA. You guys did quite a lot of, uh, you had the drum pad and everything as well, where you were. Well, yeah, we divided it in the CWA. Well, I played the drum pad once as well. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> once. Uh, yeah, we had it. We had we basically the brains of the live set was Ableton, and we had all the tracks that we wanted to play divided in groups. I mean, it's pretty standard procedure. Uh, Ableton Live template for your live set, um, and that was created by Thomas, and he was way, way like he was the head of that part because I, for example, I don't use Ableton. I don't know, I don't know much about it to be honest. So we had we divided the brains of the live set with, with Thomas, and he had this pads and his controllers, and then I had the more improvisationalist side part of the live. So we have uh, live drums, we had um, some effect units. And basically what my side did was play on top of what we already had. Some things we would keep in the brains and some for some tracks, okay, then we can play this live and you know what to do. Some things were just playing on top, but everything was prepared. Yeah. I mean, some, we would wing it sometimes, you know, I remember once, uh, Detman was late. He was playing after us, and we were like, "We got no more fucking music to play. What are we gonna do?" And we just, <laughs> then we and we just winged it. You know, that's that's the cool part of being able to like imp improvising, but at the same time having yeah. you 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 have the certainty that you can still rely on the brain. Having a frame, yeah, you have like a framework where you can basically just work around and re visit like earlier parts of the set and then just yeah yeah you can do variations of that yeah 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 I, I would call it an arsenal you develop an arsenal of of uh, material that you can kind of draw draw from and yeah. uh whatever is going to happen at what moment you don't know i mean that's my approach you know it's just uh you have some tricks in your bag basically and you pull them out whenever you need them and it also stays interesting even for yourself when you're performing i don't know a hundred times a year especially when they're one after the other every night maybe especially maybe in summer seasons or whatever when you have a lot of gigs one after the other it's nice for you even for yourself to be able to change it up a little bit you know depending with also who you're playing with who's playing after who's playing before you want to be able to be flexible and also keep it interesting for yourself. I think that's actually a nice thing. Otherwise, there's a good chance you get bored of it quite easily. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it's true. yeah it's, that's actually true that it's easier to do as a duo than to do it like as a solo artist, I, I imagine. To Yeah, I mean, it, a, it would be a lot of multitasking. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think I could handle it as a solo. I remember, I no. remember Karen a few times, Karen live, and that was pretty insane. Like those guys yeah. don't stop doing like from the start to the end. They're like, they're kicking it off, and they and they use like, and it's mainly modular as well. I think yeah, their lives. So. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Blau has yeah. like a lot of models. Crazy. I mean, I couldn't. Do, I I would never be able to deal with that. Like if something goes wrong, <laughs> that's well, like just leave what, it and run What away. can go wrong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> mm. Question from Frederick G. 
all of you. It's, it's a question for all of us. What is your favorite track? Ha! Huh. Okay. Cool. Do people have Frederick like, looks a bit young to be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do people have one favorite track? That's... Yeah, yeah. Okay, what's your favorite, uh, Tim? <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I mean, no. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, now, your favorite track now. now. Let's put it that way. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, I have no idea, actually. <laughs> Uh, no, I wouldn't. There's nothing that comes to mind that I'm like, this is my favorite now. Uh, also, it's very like, which we're talking about more genres, like generally speaking. Well, that's the thing though. Like, I mean, I, I always have the, like every morning I have the same like routine. I just drink a coffee and like smoke a cigarette and I listen to like classical, radio, Belgian classical radio for like half an hour. But then... I usually wake up at the same time and that half an hour is absolute bliss. But then after that, it turns so sour and I get really angry because the program turns, turns to shit and it's like Gregorian chants. And I'm like, this is the last thing I want to hear at like 9am. But I mean, so the, the favorite thing I like, I mean, especially now, like it's getting a bit colder. I like listening to like classical music kind of relaxes me as well. So not a track, but like a genre. I like listening to classical stuff a lot. Okay. And you guys? I was just checking the title. I didn't want to be uh -huh. wrong. Uh, there's this album by a hammock band called Hammock, and it's like modern classical, uh, and it's called Universalis. That's pretty much one of my favorite tracks right now. I listen to it pretty often. Yeah, okay, so yeah, your favorite track now, but uh, I mean... Uh, I don't have all time. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, mean, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even... Uh, I'm not even going to attempt uh, to answer this. I don't know. I really don't know. I'm, uh, Put uh, us on the spot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, actually, I actually, you know what I've been listening to a lot? I can, I'm just checking my iTunes. Um, I don't know if it's out yet, actually. Uh, You're Macy's. cheating. You should know it, you know. No, but I mean, uh, yeah, this it's uh, mate system, it's this Dutch guy, it's really, really nice. It's coming out, I don't know, I don't know if it's out already, but this is really good. He, he did an album before on uh, Nausklar, it's a label from Zealand, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 it's really nice, but I mean, yeah, sorry for the cheating, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are you Rebecca? Um, the track I'm really playing, what the very, very, very few gigs I'm playing that I just really love to dance to is um, it's a remix of the Prodigy Smack My Bitch Up, and it's by a French guy called Abin Nord. Just he just literally did it. It's a free giveaway on his SoundCloud, and it just rocks, rocks the shit out of everything that I play. Um, so yeah, I, I really like that. For this year, that's probably my favorite. But I love the prodigy. I'm like such a little UK raver girl. <laughs> 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 yeah, is that is that the, your your um, first uh, um, acquaintance with uh, electronic music, like UK, UK rave type type stuff? No, mine was jungle when I oh, was fourteen or fifteen. So it was all nice. like you know full on MCs and. You know, the Amen break and helicopter and yeah, well, it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's still really amazing to listen to, but that was the first dance music I was exposed to. Have you, have you Before played that, it was that. I mean, 
drum and bass is so fun to mix. It's really, really fun to mix. It's even more yeah. fun to um, to mix drum and bass than it is to mix techno. Techno is pretty linear. Drum and bass, you can you cut things fast. Really, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's always on the and, half beat as well. And like double yeah, drums, exactly. double drums <laughs> and like double drops in drum and bass. It's really fun to do actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like mixing together at the moment. I'm playing like breaks, techno, drum and bass, just throwing it all in because the, the techno's got so fast that you can literally mix anything with it now, mm. obviously. So it's kind of fun. Pull out all your old records and just throw them in. Yeah, and there's this really, there, it's a really, there's this really nice label called uh, Western Lore, and they basically do jungle, but it's with a four four. So it's like 160 BPM. It's really that's really fun to mix as well because you can yeah obviously do a lot with it. I even I just pitch it down as well sometimes and then it still sounds great. Mm. Nice. Mm. Cool. Cool break beats. <laughs> it's like one of the things you never get tired of. At least I never get tired of like the breaks are always like I love I love listening to them no matter what anytime. Mm. It just never yeah, gets true. Old. Say yeah. timeless. I I, I really like. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like it, but I, um, I've you know I've done a few things that relied on on uh, on cutting up breaks and, and sort of puzzle and Lego them together and with you know hundreds of mind my, my you know minimal tweaks and variations and stuff. And I kind of like the process, but um, I'm really too impatient to, uh, to to work that way you know i mean i like the, the i i'm i'm a f- i'm absolute fan of drum and bass and i i love to to listen to it um and the, the stuff that i gravitate towards is the more sort of complex freaky shit you know what i mean and um and i'm just not patient enough to uh, uh, to produce that you know it's really um, and the, and the level of production in drum and bass is so high as well sometimes yeah uh, like noisia or something like this it's like it's ridiculous like just a, yeah just the production is crazy and it must take hours and hours and hours to cut all the breaks and make it sound decent as well that might be why there's three of them because it takes so long Eight hours. Shift. Eight hours up. It's your turn. Okay, <laughs> got a question coming in from PA Tuseth. Oh my, my Siri is being activated. So, um, so this is a familiar name from uh, our Discord server. If people are not familiar with uh, the Discord server, just have a look in the video below. There's a, a nice, really nice community growing on Discord with all these knob twiddlers and producers and. Uh, sound designers and uh, electronic music uh, freaks basically uh, and uh, he is one of them who is hanging out there so question to everyone have you ever tried to produce neurofunk dnb i don't okay. even know what that is absolutely please neurofunk i mean it's probably one of the million subgenres that uh, i just don't know the name of but um is that sounds inter- it sounds interesting, though. <laughs> I mean, is it is neuro is neurofunk the same as tech step? Is that the same? I don't know. Don't ask me. Maybe you can uh, come back and uh, comment again. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe. Uh, but I mean, neuro, yeah, neurofunk is like super fast as well and like really like ag- aggressive. I think 
considering I mean, I, that I, I know I what tr- it is, I, I the answer is no. I did never do. No, I haven't. No, I've never tried. <laughs> I'm not too uh, bothered with uh, genres in uh, anyway. You know, uh, f- question from uh, Hassan. My question for everyone: How do you guys separate the creative part of producing from the technical part? It's a good question. Uh, and does the technical part take over the creative part? I think that's a nice question. That's a good question. Uh, it's a very good question. Yeah. Um, who wants to go first? Hmm. I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> mm. Well, I can kind of answer that. I mean, there's, there is um, uh, there are all kinds of um, techniques or ways of ways to organize yourself uh to not get too confused about the two separate things i mean uh my kind of answer on not getting too uh bothered by technical hurdles is to focus on a few instruments at the same time and not try to use everything at the same time so um i mean i've shown the space here to people before but behind me is this this massive table it's in the middle of the studio <laughs> and there's no setup here in the, in the studio. There's no fixed setup. So there's basically just a table and it's got all these patch points and, and connectors that run straight to the, either to the computer or to the analog desk. <coughs> and for each, each uh, session, I just build uh, a small, but very effective and very, um, um, yeah, just a new setup, you know, basically I get one or two synths, one or two, two drum machines or a sampler or whatever, or a little part of my modular system. And I build chains of uh, chains in the signal flow. So like the source sound will have one or two stages before it reaches the recorder input with stuff that I can manipulate. So basically I, bu- I build like a, a modular system um, using hardware. Uh, for this one occasion, for this one session, and um, because it's a you know freshly designed system, I I totally have my head around it, so I know how it works. I I basically go go in there, explore the range, and see what I can get out of it. And I'm I don't get sidetracked because I'm just uh, distracted by all the plugins I can use, or distracted by all the other synths I can use. It is just that, and it, that is the only thing. So basically, it takes my mind off the technical part, and um, I just focus on what I hear, focus on like what I can do in that moment, you know. And uh, sometimes these setups they live here for uh, a day or two days. Sometimes they get expanded along the way, and they they exist for a week, or um, it's probably the maximum a week, or maybe two weeks. And then it just got got broken down again, and uh, I'll come up with a new system, you know, with a new idea, and. Um, so yeah, everything gets used, but not everything gets used at the same time. And it's yeah. for me a way to just freely improvise and 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 get my my uh, ideas out, um, and uh, not be bothered by the technical part of it. So maybe that answers the question. Yes. Yeah. yeah what about I, you guys? With me, it's like I usually. I, I worry about the technical stuff afterwards, which is probably not a good advice to for, for to people. But um, I usually try to get a rough like outline of the track recorded, and then I'll go in again and fix stuff that bothers me or EQ stuff a bit more. <laughs> but I think that's I mean because if I would go in 
before and like worry too much about like oh no this doesn't sound right this doesn't sound right i would just get sidetracked too much so i i like to record like a rough outline of a track and then i'll go in afterwards and do like more uh like eqing or whatever but uh, so you, me, you separate the jobs basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah i mean i think that's i mean yeah how it's like i i grew up like since i was a kid i've been uh playing piano and that's also how I how I like studied pieces basically I would play a piece true and then afterwards go in and work on like various points where I it needed like improvement so I that kind of like workflow I think that stuck with me and I, I I use that now as well in my in my music production that makes sense yeah, yeah. what about you uh, Rebecca um, I think, yeah, there's a little bit of a crossover. So I do the creative, obviously the creative work first. I get the idea down um, or a rough sketch. And then as I move through and start arranging, then I can get a bit more into the technical details a little bit more. So it's a little bit of a crossover um, just because I think some elements definitely need to have some technical work before, you know, getting the groove right sometimes needs a bit of EQing and the technical parts to make it start kind of having a bit more movement. Um, and I, I generally am mixing quite a lot as well during the process. So when I get to the, the, the full mix down, I've already done quite a lot of the work yeah. and that makes it easier. But I like what you said about... Um, limiting your options limit is for a creative process to limit is uh is really good i think it's a really like to have too much going on and uh, it can be really overwhelming you know and then you start you can get stuck on like you know trying to find the the right synth sound rather than actually creating the right synth sound or creating something close to what you can kind of think that would fit um so i do a little bit of that i have definitely have a limited like amount of stuff that I use and that helps me a lot and um, yeah bit of both yeah Francisco you were going to say something uh no I was, I was oh, okay, okay. My, my my version of this is way more boring I mean I, a lot of it is in the box and it depends as I said going back to before it's I work a lot I spend a lot of time fixing my templates because I have a template for everything like I, I, if it's going to be a strictly electronic track, I'll use one template. If it's going to be something that's classical, then I have one specific template. So those templates have all been organized in a way with buses that I can just open the plugin. If I have to, re I have to write a cello piece, a cello part or whatever, I'm just going to click all the plugins that I have on that chain. I know it's going to sound good. I know it's it's been tested already, or it's going to sound good for the moment. And then I can go back to it and tweak it around when you have when maybe you have the the cue or the piece is done, you can go back and uh, and fool around with it a little bit more if, if necessary. But a lot of it will be taken care of by the time I already start writing, just because I know the template is purposely done for that matter. Mm. So it kind of goes hand in hand in my in my case. So so I, I, can you explain the the, the process? Because the, you sent me some music which was which was um, obviously played by. Uh, by orchestras or by by sort of real musicians, you mm -hmm. know. Um, so so you you write in the box and and you basically 
finish the piece and then give it to uh, somebody who, who sort of makes the notation for for the people to play it to play it out or to play it uh, to play it in with real instruments how, or do you do that yourself how does it work well depending where for example i think you're you're talking about it under goddess the album my first solo album i released on until riots my record well, that's just using a, just one cello throughout the whole album okay and it's this cello from the 1700s that my friend and cellist has that has a such unique palette of sound that i've never heard anywhere else probably because it's not very well taken care of and it's very old <laughs> and by the way we played we played it with pieces of steel we played it with anything we ran it through uh bass amps like ampegs and so in that specific case uh it was all just written strictly for the cello on the cello at the time if it's something if, if we're talking about an orchestration then i will write everything in the box the plugins you can have the this like today are insanely good like you mm. literally it sounds like spitfire audio mix yeah so, yeah, they're really that. Yeah, they're really. I, I guess, like, even the free them. ones, even the free ones are amazing. Yeah, they're called Labs, by the way. Anybody yeah. who doesn't know about it, yeah. they do a lot of really cool stuff. Labs is a is all the free selection. So yeah, you have some instruments just they don't delve as much deep as in like the Hans Zimmer orchestra or whatever. Yeah. And then they have this uh, website called Piano Book. If you also want to visit that, where everybody makes their own instruments and samples them and then puts them on this website and you can download them for free. And you were talking about people like playing glass or their own piano that they have at home that is, has a very unique sound. And anyways, yeah, the, the, these plugins that they offer nowadays are so good that you can go to, if it's a cue, a director, and, and, and if it's an orchestral piece, uh, you can make it. You, you give them a pretty good idea of what it's going to be like when mm. it's played by an actual orchestra. Mm. And uh, you, it's, you can also do hybrid, for example, if you record a, a quartet and then put another maybe 20, 30 elements played as, as a VST, it actually gives that a little bit like extra life to it. And you know, and, 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 and you, obviously you gotta go there and show them the best way possible how it's gonna sound when it's actually done for them to accept the cue or appreciate mm -hmm. it. And uh, if you give them, going back to the writing, you can use Sibelius now. So you yeah, can play, sure. and uh, it's, it's. I'm still learning a little bit. It's not that easy, especially because I haven't read or written music by hand in forever. Uh, but the thing with, like you know, MIDI is you just play it. If piano always helps. I always start with that, and then usually yeah, it's the cello. But these plugins have really changed the game. Yeah, because I remember it used to be like uh, like orchestra, orchestra. I mean, they're still expensive Vienna Vienna orchestra. Uh, plugins but they used to be a lot more expensive than they are now i mean oh, they're, yeah, so they're, they're more accessible now especially even like Spitfire. Oh, yeah i know they have discounts for schools for students yeah. educators so it's actually quite nice you that you're like making it more accessible and it's it's something that takes a long time to make like and they also have some yeah. great collaborations of arnold's uh hans zimmer uh the london contemporary orchestra uh, they do a lot of cool stuff, and they all—they're also very creative tools because it's not just simply a cello that you're playing or a violin or a viola. Um, mm. They have articulations, techniques, dynamics, tremolos, everything. They just provide it all. Yeah. So yeah. You can really do everything with that. It's really nice. Yeah. It sounds yeah. awesome. 
Yeah, I mean, so now the prices, as Tim was saying, are way more accessible. So a lot of people like before this was something that that's the whole point. It seems like I work at Spitfire now because I'm pushing them so much. But I, <laughs> so I, just, I, just admire, I just admire their work, their work so much because they started. They both of the founders are two compose two media composers that were, were like, we need tools to write. And at the time, it was like making music. You you all you need now is a laptop and a DAW and that's it before if you had to write music especially if it was for orchestral stuff you need a big budgets mm. now you can mm. spend like a couple hundred euros and you got an orchestra in your computer and they and they made it accessible I think it's it's uh yeah, I think that's great yeah like many other plugins by the way but they, they've been they, I think they really cracked it yeah so few few more few more years and uh, you'll be out of a job yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not so, I'm still surprised I'm still able to do it now that I just started. <laughs> so, Tim, you said you uh, you you uh, come from piano. Is that something you you uh, that was that your your instrument for how, and for how long? Did, 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 is it still relevant for? Well, I've played uh, since I was six. So okay, uh, yeah, uh, I still play every almost every day. Well, most most days I play. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I I hate using sequencers with a passion, so I usually <laughs> just uh, play everything. I mean, not okay. like not drums usually. Although I do a bit of drums as well, like finger drumming, um, because it just goes a lot faster. Um, I don't like programming like bass lines or stuff like that, so I usually just play it and then go in and quantize it a bit or something like that. Um, okay. Or well, if I have a couple of things that don't actually have a sequencer, like, and then it, I try to do it as good as possible, but and then quantize it afterwards. But yeah, it, it still comes in handy every day. Also, the it it's sometimes also a bit of a curse that you know about harmonies and stuff. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, does it, ever, does it ever get in the way? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, not as much as it used to, but. In the beginning, it, it definitely did because I'm like, it's not right. It's, this is not right. <laughs> and then, um, yeah. Uh, but it, it, it doesn't so much get in the way now because I learned to just get over it. And then if it sounds good, because I mean, especially with if you work with analog gear as well, something's not like 100% in tune. And like, I could get really upset about that and then just don't get anything done. But I mean, I don't really. It does, it's it's mainly a, a massive help now. It makes everything a lot quicker uh, for me personally, at least. Uh, I don't know how it is with other people, but and I started learning the violin as well. But that's not going Ooh. great. Yeah, that's not going <laughs> great. <laughs> Ro Rosalie and your neighbors must be psyched. Yeah, well, I haven't played in a long time. I think she's really happy that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I do like. I mean, I bought a bass guitar as well a while ago. I do like incorporating a bunch of different instruments um, in my tracks as well. It's even just for like a bass guitar, it's like I like to do something like, I don't like just clicking a mouse and like sitting there. So I like to do things. Um, and the bass is actually something really nice to just layer underneath uh, synth sounds because it's something I haven't found in like either in a VST or, or just like samples of like, a sub bass or something it gives like an extra because you can play around with pedals and stuff like that and 
it opens up like a, a bunch of possibilities. Also, a new addiction of buying pedals. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And do you, yeah. do you do you do it like the 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 traditional recording studio way, like amping amping the bass and having uh, recorded like that, or you go straight into the? Um, into no, the- I well, I have a DI, so I have a DI box. I record with a DI box oh, yeah. um, because I mean, like amping a bass like through a cap, yeah. But I mean, even in my studio, like we had, there were neighbors and like. Oh yeah it's not like i mean bass goes cuts through everything basically and like if i would do it here we have wooden floors i think we could get get kicked out of our apartment pretty pretty <laughs> fast uh, to be fair uh so i just use a di it's easier uh and i could do like pedal wise i can do whatever i want as well because as like in a fixed loop so i can do whatever i want with that so yeah mm. Yeah, I uh, I mean I I love sequences, man. I I'm I'm like uh, I'm totally opposite of the way you work. I I stumble upon things, you know. I just uh, make things happen, get things running, and then uh, decide what I want to, where I want to take it, you know. Instead of um, imagining them and trying to play them, I'm the worst at that, you know. It's, yeah. I'm never satisfied with what comes out. <laughs> yeah. I always think it could be better, you know what I mean. You have more control over it if you, in a way, if you work with a sequencer because you can go in and like do like really small adjustments. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I would I would want to get into it, but like a cir- a circlon sequencer looks amazing to me. Yeah, what what but, I like about what I, what I like about it, it's more like uh, I, my approach is more like gardening, you know. So I I just put a seed there and and uh, and, and nourish it and then see it grow. Mm. And I like processes of uh, in the studio where you. Um, where you sort of um, come up with an idea or uh, set uh, um, the circumstances in such a way and things can sort of happen by accident or start to take their own li- uh, take on their own life you know and then um, it's not it's not full-blown generative but it's it is sort of um, guiding it uh, with rough strokes instead of uh, going in and edit every single detail you know what I mean mm-hmm. So it's sort of like uh, uh, designing a system which is capable of, you know, sort of making variations on its own and sort of go off, go off in its own sort of territory. And then uh, sometimes uh, it clicks with whatever I have in mind and sometimes it doesn't, but I just choose the moments where it, it all comes together. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So it's more like, a, um, yeah, maybe like a, like gardening or cooking rather than um, actual yeah. writing yeah. exact ideas down. So it's well, like yeah, finding, I mean, finding like, finding things rather than designing things, you know. What I I mean, what I, there's a I mean, there's a couple of things I do. I I, I love working with chords, like in, in my music. So it's it's you, in that sense, it's kind of similar because like when I sit at the piano and I I like find like chord sequences that I really like, and it's like I usually I, I write them down and then I go back in and adapt them a bit so it's sort of like analog well yeah like analog sequencing or something because you're writing everything down and you're i find stuff like that as well because Mm. if you you start from a pretty basic chord progression and then you find out a new combination or stuff like that and it just evolves from that as well but um just the the actual for me, the actual 
job of the labor of sitting at a sequence where it's just not appealing to me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'd rather have yeah. Maybe it's because I'm not used to it. I don't know. But what about no, you, Rebecca? Cool. Do, you, do you like sequencing stuff, or are you more also? I just play stuff by ear, then into the MIDI, like, and then maybe some slight adjustments. But I, I like things that aren't like I'm looking for the accidents. I'm looking for the little things where I might have played it a little bit wrong, and that's kind of for me. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> so, mm. so for tuning, it's by by ear, and then um, think I don't like quantize. I try like sometimes when you quantize after you've played something it actually sounds worse yeah so i unquantize it back and i just go with that sometimes um because yeah. it adds to the groove i think because probably my beats and, and my percussion are so like quantized then having the like you know the musical parts a little bit less is kind of better for me so yeah but it's it's all by ear and um You know, when I start going into like arpeggiators and yeah, and sequences, I don't. It it just ends up being the obvious things. So, yeah. and I haven't really managed to work with them to get them sounding a bit better. So, yeah, <laughs> my my weird techniques in the studio are always like non. I don't know. I have to. I have a specific way of working which works for me, but explaining it in technical terms is always really difficult. Um, but I'm looking. I'm like I'm always searching for the happy accidents that I make, and that's why recording a live jam is always really, really better. You know, because yeah. then you can chop things up and add those little parts in. Um, the weird things that happen, um, they make the track more interesting. Well, you know, this is the cool thing about talking to other producers because uh, you know the this is the twenty uh, seventh one. And I haven't heard anybody who does, who has a completely, you know, similar working process. It's so different for everyone, you know, and uh, that that basically only shows that it doesn't really matter what tools you use. Uh, you know, it's how you use them and how you can sort of make your imagination uh, do things that uh, you know that that end up in uh, become like beautiful things, you know, or things that you're happy yeah. with, and. Um, uh i think that's the coolest thing i mean the uh, uh, you can you can get advice from other people other, other producers how to use certain tricks you know but in the end you develop your own sort of working methods and and routines and uh, and develop your own way of uh, getting your ideas out you know which is which mm. is great and I, i'm i'm very always very interested in hearing about how the people do that and Most some people uh, actually a lot of people think that what they're doing is very simple or uh, is probably not as advanced as how other people do it. But if everybody thinks that, you know, yeah, <laughs> there yeah, must yeah. be the, yeah. <laughs> like oh, I'm just doing this and I'll just you know sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't. You know, that's that's usually yeah. the story. You know, I'm just fucking yeah. around, and see what happens. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's a story mostly. You know, nobody yeah. has a, a very Uh, solid, worked out, completely foolproof way of uh, of, of getting your ideas uh, down. You know, there's yeah. I think no it's always one, different. Yeah. It's always different, yeah. which is cool. Yeah, yeah. I like to do sometimes these things. So, like uh, for a couple a couple of pieces ago, I did. I wanted to do a track just with only the cork, uh, the Volca drum, and I did an entire track only with that, and that was really interesting to 
yeah, we, we talked about it a bit earlier as well, to limit yourself to to one thing. And then afterwards, I tried doing it again in the same way, but it, it just didn't work. It's like, um, I forgot what I was going to what I was gonna say. <laughs> It's okay. Let's go to the uh, question because yeah. that, I think I, was, was the question? And, yeah, and it was also connecting to what you were uh, saying. When you are uh, producing, oh, yeah. how do you get out of the loop when you don't seem to know what's missing? So, uh, do you write in a loop? I mean, first of all, that's a question to all of you. Well, usually with the drums, I do in the beginning, mm. yeah. like only the drums. I start with the. Well, I start usually always start with drums. Mm. In Ableton, yeah, always. And do you find yourself uh, ending up in situations where you're just looping and looping and looping and nothing's happening and you you get stuck? Mm -hmm. I usually add a bunch of stuff and then start deleting more stuff. Mm. So I add too much and then I delete. Ah, again. so you go to two different different iterations of the same idea and then yeah, just yeah, and then just yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. Yeah. Cool. That's usually what I do. Well, if, it's, if you think you're stuck, I think it always helps. Confronting yourself with somebody else, maybe uh, sending it to them, asking for yeah. it, like, what do you think? Tim and I send each other music all the time, and sure. you know, just the back and forth always helps. Maybe he realizes something that's for you would be like you would you wouldn't realize what, what the problem would be, and he maybe he points it out. It's like oh shit, yeah, it was that. And mm. sometimes it's even just like taking one element out. Or putting one extra element that's going to change the whole situation. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's funny so how you can over, you overcomplicate it sometimes. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's also something um, you can you can uh, develop some kind of attachment to something which is yeah. going on in the music, which to other people is completely irrelevant, but to you is something you've been very proud of because you just had the yeah. uh, that idea and you, mm -hmm. you get really attached to it and by by a stage where you're further on in the development of a track that might not even be relevant anymore but it's still you still have that attachment to it and you don't want to let it go but you know what i mean These yeah, you don't want to delete it you're like sure. yeah but it's not really doing anything anymore you know no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bounce it out keep it in a folder of your like own samples that and never it. use it again it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you won't delete it because you love it so much <laughs> What about you, Rebecca? Do you produce in a loop or are you um, um, just doing everything on a timeline? Mm, I, it may be over like 16 bars, so a little bit loopy, but then I'm always adding, I just, yeah, adding loads and loads of different things. Um, like, yeah, I'm, I'm more on like Tim's way where I add loads in and then, and then after, once I feel like I've I've got this stuff, I then try and create a brace, um, a breakdown really quickly. So then I know how it's going to, if the loop, when it comes back in, if it's solid or not. Mm. Um, and then, and then once I know that that works, there's a little breakdown and come back. And then I start arranging from there. Um, but I haven't been stuck that much in a loop, but maybe I only only get stuck in a loop when I'm making when I'm trying to make something that is a bit different to what I normally make because mm. it's not my style. I'm like trying to push out of a comfort zone, and then I get stuck in a way, and I then end up having to come back to really my style and what I'm kind of good at. Sometimes I try, 
Mm. I try and do this whole like um, evolution, like kind of like what Tim's tracks do. You know, it's just an evo- it's like hardly any breakdowns, just like, evolving, and then I can get really stuck in a loop because I haven't got the patience to, you know, put in all of the the modulation and like get the track to move. And I think that's where people might get stuck is like, how do you get out of the loop? Well, you can have as your track, but you've just got to have lots of movement with it. Things got to open and close and, you know, arrange the hi-hats and, and make that loop last as long as you can to, and be exciting, I suppose. Mm. Um, but I cheat. I put breakdowns in and that works for me. <laughs> break down here, break down there. And then yeah. like, you know, take the power away, put it back in. Um, and that's what I'm good. And sometimes you just got to get honest about what you're good at, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, um, looping things and, and continue listening to it while the, the changes you are making are, you know, not even small increments, but basically next to nothing. It, it's better just to stop and and yeah. listen to something else, because <laughs> yeah, you know, if, if it's not work, if something is looping and it's not working, um, and you don't have immediate ideas or immediate solutions or or things you can try, you want to try out with it, uh, you might as well just uh, hit stop for a while, do something else, or listen to something else, and come back to it because. There's nothing as deadly for for your vibe and your your creative moment or your your uh, flow of ideas to punish yourself listening to the same loop over and over again. You know it, yeah. that's just horrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I haven't worked that way for a long time at all. To be honest, I mean, I've just been using hardware setups and and al- although they are repetitive, you know, they are repetitive sort of reoccurring patterns. Um, it's it's. Um, it's always moving in some way, you know, automatically, sort of, that is the way it's, it's designed to, to run, you know, there's always sort of modulation going on in real time anyway. So it, it, it's repetitive, but it's not really an exact loop of something just recurring every eight bars or every two bars or whatever. So I don't, I don't really get bored with, um, things that are running. And if it, if it doesn't work, I'm, I'm not afraid to ditch it, you know, just, uh, I'm very easy with ditching things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't like it next, you know. It's easier to start something yeah. new than to sort of punish yourself and, and break your head over something that is not really working for you. So, it, yeah, that's you know, true. Start with something fresh is always, always easier. I, I don't, um, yeah, I don't like the process of um, the last 1%, you know, slaving over m- minuscule details that nobody hears yeah. but you. <laughs> but you will hear them, though. You will hear them, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah no no it's uh the the question of peter t it's a track called missing link it's a couple of eps ago um i think it was last year or something uh on my own label that was the track yeah um but do you but do you never like don't do you all have um i i mean for me at least it's like a, <clears throat> when i sit down and start writing stuff i need a bit of a warm-up period how do, do you do you have that as well any of you what do you mean yes. you may have to get into the zone or something it like takes that, a couple or? of tracks yeah a good one yeah 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 well then, I have a, you have more tracks coming i have like three tracks that i don't like at all and then i make four in a row so i need a bit of warm-up mm. always i don't know how that is with you Maybe yeah, I find that I find it with if I have a break, which is often. So, I, like I said, I, I make music 
fits and starts. So there'll be a couple of months where I'm just like fully on it. Um, but the first couple of things that I make are terrible. Like, <laughs> and I and I know now. I know the process. It's like it is the warm up to get into the good stuff. Um, but then what I find is every like batch of tracks that I make every time I it gets better even when I have a break like the actual quality for me on a personal development level gets better rather than me just doing it all the time which is really hard. so sometimes having a break away from making music is is good too mm. you know good for your ears I think mm. yeah and the, like for, for, I mean for, <laughs> for, for you it's like uh, different because you have to finish jobs do you get stuck as well well, well yeah well, yeah but you, you really can't do anything about it you just have to roll with it especially if it's like a deadline yeah project you know which most of them in this case are but I do have I because I'm as I was telling Hogan before I was hunting for a new studio for a space just before COVID hit and now I'm, I'm I've always I've always worked from home to be honest I've never had a proper proper studio um and uh I'm, I'm actually in it right now you're in my living room <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh it's it's been this way and I work from home so it's it can it can take a toll on you I have a dog so I go on walks purposefully just to get off like to stop working for a while otherwise I will continue going on and it won't be healthy and I won't get anything good out of it so I will have to, I will have to, I go for a walk, you know, just even just like half an hour, go to the park, play with him, come back. And I'm, I'm, in a, and I'm just in a different state of mind, you know, and, and that helps. What doesn't help is literally moving from here to the, to the couch at night when I watch a movie, like the floor is lava. I won't even touch the floor. And just go, <laughs> that's not that healthy, which is why I want to find a place which is close by. Where yeah. you, you know just the walk, the commute to the studio could make a big difference, you know, mm. even if mm. it's close. So yeah, taking breaks is definitely important. Also, don't like, for example, like me, which is like this is what, like my entertainment system. Always like I will have lunch, eating like maybe a salad in front of the computer. It's like that's not good. Sit, sit somewhere else in the house, think about something else, maybe call somebody or just like get distracted. And uh, then get back to it. Otherwise, at least personally, I won't get anything out of it. Of just like re repeating the same mistakes and just getting frustrated with it. Mm -hmm. And then it's not funny anymore. No, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an important point. I think. Yeah. I mean, um, even though some some of the music you do is is basically an assignment, or you're paid to do it, or it needs to go uh, on some release. Mm -hmm. um, it wouldn't it wouldn't be fun if 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 it would be just a job you know you have to kind of set things up in a way that it, you're just having a good time doing it right? yeah, yeah i mean i mean that's uh, why we're doing what we're doing right Otherwise, yeah 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 you yeah. fell in love with hopefully, we, all hopefully. we all fell in love with it at some point and it should it should, it should be yeah <laughs> it's a relationship that should be nourished <laughs> you have yeah. to you have to make sure you yeah and it needs respect like every relationship you need to be respectful of your own time and the work time you put in i think yeah, yeah. smart about it yeah 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 i mean um um i can i think for myself um i i i've got a bit of um um, I wouldn't say self-indulgent is not the word, but it's um, 
I've stopped making music um, for with a purpose, if you know what I mean. I've, I'm just making music. Whatever comes out, comes mm -hmm. out. So yeah. I would say that, um, um, I mean, the last few years I've been really productive, but uh, very few things have come out which which uh, which are you know straight sort of dance floor uh, bombs or whatever. Although I, I, there are some that that work really well, but um, I don't set out to do. Uh, I, I, I don't set out to do a, a certain style or uh, um, you know make music for a certain label or per, or you know purpose in general. I just record stuff, and what whatever it becomes, it becomes. You know, and uh, mm -hmm. by doing that, I, I've, I'm not I'm not afraid to do it or, or something. It's just that I don't like the process of sitting sitting down and. Um, uh, giving myself an assignment which has to do with um, um, yeah with with um, something uh, like a role that it needs to fulfill or uh, a function it should have or something I'm much more happy you know just cracking mouth until you know just keep keep making music and and, and be really happy with what it becomes uh, and don't really mind so much what what it is you know whether it's uh, how do you, you could categorize categorize it as you know listening music or abstract or uh or noisy or uh i don't know i, I don't even care what it what mm. you would categorize it as but i'm um i find that i'm much more interested in in sort of capturing really authentic moments you know when when i do something and i'm i'm really into the sound uh that i'm doing um it has some sort of uh original um unplanned uh, idea which is separate from separate from everything else I've done or everything else that's around just a, a nice moment where everything clicks and I'm I'm really interested in capturing that you know sort of like making the the perfect picture you know like you walk by you snap and 99 of out of 100 times it's um, average but sometimes you really hit it spot on you know and it's for me it's about finding those moments so it has some authenticity authenticity to it and some um, yeah, so not really attached to anything that's going on or has been going on. It's just there. You know what I mean? That's my favorite way of working mm. at the moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you change. Sometimes you want to change your routine. You know, you don't want to always work the same way. You go yeah, back to what before becomes boring. Yeah, if I decide if I want to do something with mics, you know, I just set up uh, something and I. I do some field recording type stuff and start working with that and you know maybe a week later I decide I want to do something on the modular and see what happens there you know or um, I'm getting into a certain synth and I try to really explore that just you know see how far I can push it or that might be my assignment for the day you know just uh, what can this thing do just just like that you know without ever planning to make a track out of it but then maybe sometimes during along the process uh, something happens that is that is just beautiful that just uh, happens and and sort of came out of nowhere by just letting myself you know be guided by the process and if one of these moments happen and and they're nice i'll keep it and that i'll finish you know i'll call that the track you know of the day do you ever do you ever find that something you've done maybe one day like you said maybe one day you were fooling around with a synth wanted to see where you can take it and uh, it wasn't supposed to be a track but just like you messing around and maybe something that you had already started or just another thing that you maybe where you mic'd and you made some field recordings that 
all of a sudden like th those two singular projects don't like cannot live by themselves but if you put them together although they're yeah. different it, it becomes like they're not a track but if you put them together I, ideally it can become like a strong track I, yeah. I feel sometimes that happens to me and it's actually quite quite weird because they were never meant to be and then you feel like well this actually fits with that so maybe yeah. this can become something it's in, I think it's interesting when it happens because you, you don't you don't ban it yeah hmm. well it's some it, it makes sense in, in, in a way that um, whatever you do is always going to bear your signature you know yeah. and, and in that sense um, it'll have something that is that makes it connected to whatever else you do and hmm. therefore easy to combine or sort of you know, in its in its uh, in the same kind of, um, or, or even if they are very different, that they, they have some kind of um, quality to it, which make them compatible. You know, because it's both you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I saw I saw a really interesting uh, question actually. Uh, someone asked uh, something about presets. Like our presets, the death of creativity. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> Hassan again. Uh, yeah, I thought this is. Yeah, is presets is oh. using presets the death of creativity or at a fundamental level? It's very uh, deep. Would sampling be considered the same for you guys? I don't know. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you saw the question. Maybe you answer it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I thought it's really interesting that people. I mean, that I mean. I, do, I sometimes use a preset as well. There's a bit of a stigma I feel around it. A lot of people think, if you think about it, the piano is a preset as well. It's more about like what you actually do with it. Um, I mean, there are some legendary Detroit records that were presets from certain sins, basically. Um, does that make those records less valid? I don't think so. It's what you actually, it's what context you place it within. I think that's the most important thing that people forget sometimes. Obviously, there's a couple of things that are that have been done over and over and over and over again. So that's not really interesting. But I don't think it's a debt of creativity if you use presets at all. No, um, and the same, the same can be said about sampling as well. I think sampling opens up a wide, like a, a really broad spectrum of what you can do, like make a track more interesting. You can... I mean, even if it's as minimal as sampling a snare from somewhere and like sculpting it a bit, that making it your own, I, I think it's I think it's it is creativity using those tools, using presets and uh, sampling and using that as something to make your track better or whatever. What was the other question? <laughs> No, it's um, uh, it's not the preset. It's what uh, you do with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, presets are basically just. I think I see them as a as a, a way to have uh, recallability. You know, uh, mm. it's just a, a location in in the memory of some you know device where you can store your your ideas or have other people's ideas stored. You know, it's and and then you can. From that moment on, where it's it's basically, uh, um, yeah, just a starting point. You know, you can you can you can, yeah, you can use it as a starting point, manipulate the fuck out of it, so it's no yeah. longer even recognizable. Or you can use it as is, uh, and then do something interesting with it. I mean, 
it's uh, again it's a preset is a tool you know it's a, yeah. it's a tool it's a, a method of uh, storing and recalling things and whatever however you use it is, is up to you and if you can do something amazing with it it's cool I don't I know thought it was actually quite useful when I first started making music which was using yeah the plugins you had you would actually go and see the attributes like see how oh this how sounds works. like how, how did how did they make this sound let me see yeah. like this, maybe one day i can start making mm, my own yeah. and yeah. that's when you start having your own voice it, it, it's actually quite helpful to see if you're into that sound how they made it and then maybe you can tweak it or just make it from your there's, yeah, there's some even, plugins like zebra i think is a great plugin yeah. for that you can you yeah. know, make crazy sense with that any kind yeah. of sound to be honest and yeah, even the basic stuff like a cutoff. Like I didn't know what a cutoff was when I started. I was like, I don't know, just twist it, twist the button in on a VST, and you're like, oh, uh, okay, cool. But I mean, yeah, I think the, I mean, using presets is also a way to, yeah, like you said, learning how a sound actually works and how it's made, like how you can remake it or make your own. And I feel there's nothing wrong with starting from that and then making it your own. I mean, it's maybe no, when you have those, when you're, we have those creativity blocks we were talking about before, maybe push that's all like, as well. Putting, putting out a preset and it's, oh, okay, maybe this is a good or a better starting point and I can work my way up from there. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I, I, I think about how some people use them is can sort of be. Uh, killing for the creative process is that you you often see people uh, who have like an unlimited amount of uh, access to you know all kinds of plugins and 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 uh, banks of sounds and then and then the only thing to find to arrive at at something they like is just go very quickly from one preset to the other like just jump through them ding 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 no that's not no 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 and I mean what what if you do that for a minute okay you might end up with something you you might find something but if you if you do that for an hour i mean you're way beyond yeah, <laughs> beyond the imagi- imaginative part you know you're not longer yeah. not, not even uh, you just become deaf for for any any variation you know anyway yeah. i mean that's too, but that's basically not has anything to do with um um presets as a thing you know uh, it is just a, not a very successful way to get your creative flu- uh, creative juices flowing you know it's just a mind numbing mm. mind numbing way of using presets you can use them in an interesting way mm. um, anyway uh, I saw a question and then it disappeared <laughs> I just read Mr. Locked Groove that's all I got yeah. oh uh don't forget yeah. to make your own presets. No. Oh yeah. How do you? Oh, here. How did this? Did, was it this one? How do you feel about lo-fi gear? Does it has a, have a place on stage, in studio next to expensive gear, or is is better in an all lo-fi environment? Uh, yeah. Anyone? <laughs> well, it goes like what we were saying before, right? Where you can actually use different techniques. Blend yeah. together, and then why? Why not? You know, why would it not work? I, th- I think if you have expensive gear and you have a shitty tape machine and put them together, why would that not work? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and what is lo-fi as well? I mean, I'm not. If it means old, old, yeah. Old I mean, that there's old, is that lo-fi? I don't even know. There's old synths that are like more like pristine sounding than new stuff as well obviously but I mean, there's I also I, sorry there's also producers that 
that try and create a lo-fi sound you know yeah. like that's a yeah. thing as well isn't it yeah with their mixes yeah I yeah, think just... I think lo-fi is amazing, but it it it's only lo-fi if the context is not lo-fi. So you know, it's it's all about the context. It's uh-huh. like if you use something to to stand out in your in in the palette of of sound you're using, uh, it can often very work very well to to make one part of the production or one one sound or or you know a bunch of sound, uh, you know, downgrade the quality of it or or just use lo-fi sound sources in general or. Uh, use a crappy translation. You mic it from a from a crappy speaker or something to make it ultra lo fi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of way to to degrade the, the sound or give it character. Um, but it it'll only uh, come to life when when it sits in the right context. I mean, lo fi is gonna mm-hmm. not sound not so lo fi if everything else is lo fi. <laughs> yeah, if it sits true. Again, If it sits against the uh, um, you know uh, something there needs to be a very difference. hi-fi, yeah, yeah, yeah. then yeah. then you get the depth of, uh, of, of yeah. uh, difference between the sounds, you know. And then, I mean, yeah, lo-fi is fine, but uh, only lo-fi is probably boring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and only yeah. hi-fi too, you know. Yeah, about, I I always like to sort of create a palette of sounds, you know, like. Stuff it's the most is. natural eh? as well. Yeah, but like like different different sound sources, you know, some digital, some analog, some uh, treated with uh, you know to, to downgrade to downgrade them, some really hi-fi, def- you know, lots of dynamics, whatever. Um, you create more of an interesting sort of uh, field of sound with with uh, different sources and different sound qualities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that as well. Like, yeah, because I mean, if you walk around on the street, like some stuff you hear, like, is further away than other stuff. So, it's more natural to have like a bit of like difference between the different sounds, even in your tracks, than to have everything at the same level. Because, as you said, that's absolutely boring. Mm. Basically, to have like, yeah, I think it's it it's also not pleasant to listen to. I think. If everything is kind, there's no textures; it's just flat. Well, it's just it's like Rebecca said; it is a thing. It's it is an aesthetic, you know, lo-fi. Yeah, style. true. Yeah, yeah. A, it is it is a uh, a style almost, lo-fi hip hop or something. That's a whole category yeah. of, uh, of music. It's the same with distortion. Like the that, yeah, the, the way that I understand it is like you you. That you know, the techno went through a lot of distortion, um, and but you also need really clean signals as well for the distortion to work. Yeah. So it's, mm. it would be the same ethos as that, really. So like, it's really nice when you have a you have hi hats distorted against like quite a heavy track, but then you know the kick's not distorted. Then this isn't you know like the mid range yeah. isn't distorted because then it, it just sounds crap if if it's yeah. all this. So yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, and, and by the way, in general, when people ask questions about music or, or production techniques and, and they incorporate the phrase, what's better, mm-hmm. I, I, <laughs> I don't know, it depends on the, on the, on the situation, you know, well, the what's listener. better, what's, yeah. no, no, also about what, <laughs> what, what are you trying to achieve, you know, what's better, you know, this EQ or that EQ, I don't know, which mm-hmm. one sounds better, that's the, that to your ears, you know, that should be the criteria, yeah. I'm not not the manufacturer who made it or you know how expensive it was or or how cheap or how fashionable or whatever mm-hmm. you know um you can't say what's better it's just um whatever does the job that you are after you know whatever 
um, makes it sound sound good to your ears. That's that's what that's the best thing. Not uh, what your favorite producer says. It's the best thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that never works. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, you, yeah, because usually when people ask that, they they ask that because they're like, oh yeah, what do you use? And then it's not because you like we use it that they can recreate the same sound. Basically, there's you should use what makes you what, what you feel comfortable with. Yeah, the cool thing about you. exactly, and the cool thing about this place is there's a there's a lot of people who come here to to work on their own stuff or we do collaborations, and and it it happens every time that they take out a bit of you know they take a bit of gear from the shelves that I've owned for I know you know decades, and the first thing they do with it is and and is something like what the fuck is this coming from this machine? I never ever got that sound out of this machine. You know what I mean? Mm. So um, it is like. Um, and that happens all the time, you know. People touch the gear here, and and it's like uh, you get all these unexpected things from it. You know, it's just, just because you have another pair of hands with another head, or you yeah, know, on, on working on on the same uh, set of uh, parameters, and it and it turns into something completely different, into a different instrument, you know, mm. almost. You yeah. Know? So so it's uh, it's it, uh, yeah. You can give advice on on some functional things, but if it comes to uh, what is the best bass sound or the best bass machine or whatever? I don't yeah. know. It's, it's it's all about sculpting, I guess. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think producing is a process as well. You know, like you you start and learn what you've got. Like, so if you've just if you're just with your laptop and Ableton, and then you know you can't really afford anything else, then just use what you've got. And then just grow slowly, bring in one piece of equipment at a time and, you know, just go really slow with it. And you'll know when you're ready to move on to explore other things as well, mm. explore other ways of making music. And I think with um, with you, Joachim, like you've been in the game so long, like I'm not surprised that you have all the kit and that every day you feel like you want to do a different exploration. But for new producers, that's probably really overwhelming. It's like, wow. Like you know, what I field record one day, then I'm going to mic up something else, and yeah, it's, uh, it's like so. It, it's true what you. It's step true what by you step. Say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. If you say, you know, just learn one one thing at a time, take it step by step. Absolutely, one hundred percent agree. And um, but the big difference is when 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 I started. Uh, there was no YouTube, there was no information. Uh, I know maybe one or two people who were kind of in the same strange hobby as I was. And <laughs> that was the only source of information, you know what I mean? And you heard records and you had no fucking clue how they ever... <laughs> how they did those. it, yeah. No, and there was, and there was always no, no way to find out either, you know? Absolutely no way until you, uh, you know, unless you had access to the studio or something. But, you know, we were, uh, anyway, but now these days you can buy a laptop and uh, or even a, an iPhone or whatever, and and find a wealth of tools which have which have so many possibilities that you you could you can you could never dream of like uh, a few yeah. decades ago. So in one sense, um, uh, I can talk about all the gear that I have, but I'm I'm saying that it's really not that important, you know. It's uh, and 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 it's true that everything that I do here with hardware is possible to do in one door. You know, you can get. Uh, Ableton or something, and uh, and basically do everything um, exactly the same, but in a digital form. You know, it's it's exactly the same. You can hook up different instruments. You can, you know, uh, 
you can get like really long chains, do sound design. You can you can sort of re-record mm. things, rehash things, downgrade things, sample things. You know, it's it's the ultimate you know studio environment in the box basically. So yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, if the only thing I think is what you're right about is uh, to take a step by step because even if you are sitting down for the first time behind Ableton or something, uh, you you could very well be overwhelmed with the amount of possibilities. You know, so try to restrict yourself to learning one instrument at the time, you know, and, and do, you know, just take it from there, just uh, develop your your style or your, you know, your signature over time and take it easy, not, not drive into buying too much gear and trying to use as many things at the same time as, as too, too quickly, you know. Yeah, I think that's definitely a pitfall of, because, I mean, it's quite affordable to buy since. I mean, you can buy pretty cheap since now and people want to there's always something new coming out and like you keep on getting these ads for oh buy this buy this buy this and i think yeah it might be for a lot of people it might be really overwhelming and they just buy a bunch of stuff that they don't really know how to use and then they they get frustrated i think yeah, it's, it's really good advice to just keep it pretty simple and uh, yeah it's it's a golden age for 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 hardware and since yeah. it's, it's crazy there's so many things and so many amazing things as well you know so it's but as you were saying before like now to be honest before buying something whether it's a plug-in or or a piece of gear you have the chance to actually see people literally unboxing it and playing around yeah. with it and you see like the full experience of what would happen when you get the, that piece of gear right so you can before buying it you can actually have a pretty pretty good idea of what you're getting because people you like can check like, the priest that sound yeah yeah they, 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 you can hear them before you buy them you're just playing around and it's like okay well, i'm gonna buy this it's useful. before you would just be like okay i'm gonna save up money i'm gonna buy it and if it's shit i'm gonna cry and go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> now you yeah. don't have that problem anymore. yeah that's, that's true, true. although the, there is like i mean there is a couple of things that you like i uh Couple of, like a couple of years ago when it came out, uh, the Lyra Eight, I yeah. bought oh, it yeah. and I, I had no idea. I mean, I still don't have any clue how to use it. To be the fair, the guys that make it don't know what It's like I just turn it's it on good. and like just touch it, and I'm like, yeah, 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 <laughs> this is great. But yeah, I mean, and all the and every and it's such a weird tint as well because then you you end up. It's that's also a bit of a pitfall because you end up watching like demo videos of it and you're like, why doesn't it do that with me? Like, and then you're, you try to recreate it and you're like, Ugh. well, you're, you're talking about a very weird and specific. Yeah, yeah, true. Like, yeah, that's yeah like, true. It's very, it's a tricky. It's an amazing piece of gear, but it's very tricky. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, I think that's the the whole fun of of the Soma stuff is that um, uh, it has a. You have to. M- you have to have a different expectation, you know. It's yeah. not, it's not the piece of kit that'll that'll do the same thing every time you turn it on. It's just gonna, no, yeah, that's uh, true. Partly, partly have its own life and partly uh, react to your your input and uh, you know your the interaction with it uh, by, you know, by trying to kind of, you know, force it to do something and and guide it into a certain direction. Uh, but you would never know if you really have a, yeah. have a tight grip on it, you know. So it's a bit loose. It's a different relationship. Yeah, I, you know, it's not a machine. I tell it this. I tell it. It's to do gonna this. do that. No. no, 
you have to kind of you know you can expect some some result but you can at the same time be surprised by that by what comes out and i yeah. think that process is is a really fresh idea of what an instrument should be about you know it's uh it challenges you and it makes you do things and it and it has it gives you weird answers you know sometimes mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> as it leads its yeah. own life yeah sono distorto is uh, asking what about libraries of samples like the one most famous everybody knows do you use them is it important i don't know uh never I, I personally never use them as the way they are i just said it, it has to be like even just pitching them down they always sound better in my opinion <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just pitch everything down everything pitched down <laughs> well it's really key but generally yeah not never i would never use them but also it, it doesn't help give your own like have your own voice if you use something that somebody else wrote ayarkana uh, i know i know me anthony is going to be on your show i think uh ayarkana sorry ayarkana anthony you guys yeah. know him right we made we made a sample pack with um with a uh, with the cello i, I use for yeah, my yeah, yeah okay yeah. and uh we were always also wondering when you're making a sample pack is like are people going to use this the way it is or will they actually go in and like make it their own and uh we found out that we're you the, the more options you provide like you give like the dry the wet the drones and you you see like you see it's it, it would be interesting to see what people do with what with the sample pack you made and, and generally people will uh mess around with them i think that's a better it's, it's better to do that so I have a story. Um, basically, Joachim had is you had a sample pack, or you had you had something when I first started producing ages ages ago. Yeah, ages ago. Yeah, and I used quite a lot of them. Sound the sounds I loved all your sounds. So some of them I would probably pitch, and then some I just fit. So I just use them. But I was really new, so I did. You know, when you're a new producer, you just use you know samples and you know presets, and you know you just you're just in that creative overwhelmed sort of era of just like you know just trying to put a track together it doesn't really matter where the source is from um but with my samples now i definitely i'm with you francesco i just i like to manipulate them a lot more pitch them down um um, and also create your own, find your yeah. own samples, mm. you know, from films or TVs. I, the amount of stuff I've got from TV shows, I'll be yeah. watching it and I'm like, oh my God, that, that sounds amazing. <laughs> and then I'll, I just like rip it. Mm. And then, um, and then, yeah, that's, that's my best tunes have come from like TV shows. Well, I think, I think <laughs> one, really one of my favorite albums ever uh, by Burial, and I'm pretty sure it's universally appreciated. Yeah are all samples from you know yeah. metal gear solid and uh well he nicked a bunch of acapellas and stuff like that but yeah. a lot of if you look at the at the list of the samples where he got them from it's video games movies yeah. and, uh, and 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 listen to how that album turned out that it's pretty fucking cool yeah yeah i think he licensed anything <laughs> i'm not sure man like, I'm not <laughs> be, sure. i mean so big it became so huge that maybe there would be some yeah some people like it yeah. like hey you know, that's that's missing you know, like, hey, yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I do agree like samples are like a really good starting point and then you can just go with it and just uh, like put stuff over it and combine them 
Or also, sometimes like, you end up playing them, and then maybe you end up replacing them with what something new world, so you use them probably as an inspiration. Yeah. And being it, then yeah. they just go, and then you just take them out because you don't need them anymore. Mm. You know, Francisco, yeah. if, if if I had your job and some director would ask me to do to score his movie. I would use his previous movie as the single only sound source. <laughs> sample sample <laughs> everything, <laughs> and then see, and then and then see if he notices. Bad ideas. Pitch it down with like five semitones, and then like yeah, it's done. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Just pitch it down. <laughs> and then I heard you like it dark, you know. I don't really like it. It's like, well, you didn't like the music to your previous movie then, because it's exactly what I did. <laughs> Isn't there a saying where it's uh, good producers copy, well, bad producers copy, good producers steal? So I think sampling, we, like, you know, the, I think we can all agree that sampling is not so bad. Oh, no, no. They, they no. Made it whole new <laughs> Yeah. Something like hip hop, you know, early rap. Yeah, yeah, yeah but that's yeah, more like, yeah, but th then in that case, sampling is more like a cultural reference, you know, yeah. rather than yeah, rather true. than a sound source that you manipulate. So there's always all kinds of ways to look at sampling and how to approach yeah. the, the whole thing. Um, you know, in in hip hop, it can even be, um, you know, the opposite of of considered the opposite of stealing and more like a tribute thing, you know. Tribute, and, yeah, and, yeah. and that and that is a whole different approach of of um, dealing with. Uh, with samples i think in electronic music it's more like okay this is a, has it got an amazing texture to it you know let's fuck it up and see you know how i can use it in my sort of disguise that mm. it, even that disguise that it, that it's a sample in the first place you know yeah um you know. Well, we're talking about breaks before the aim and break came yeah, from yeah. the aim and yeah. brothers and, and that's yeah. and then they just kept on using it and using it and using it and, that, and it became a full-on scene genre. and genre and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, right? yeah, it's totally iconic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Okay. Maybe uh, this is a good time. We already already. It's so time is going so fast. Oh, it's, oh, it's so Yeah, we we were already sort of almost talking for two hours. Maybe we should um, give the people in uh, who are watching this on Twitch and YouTube uh, a last chance to. Yeah. To ask us anything, like anything specific, or for all four of us. Yeah, there we go. As if it's magic. Uh, <laughs> from <laughs> from LE to Francesco, how long, how long did you take to produce conducting a method, and what's your favorite track you have produced? Ooh, I have no idea how long it took. Uh, Thomas and I made it. it was a CWA track uh, on I think. Oh, we had a Dario Zenker and Lucy remix for this release. For this release, I think. Uh, um, conducting method was remixed by Diary. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember how long it took, but we were pretty fast, to be honest. When we were with, when we used to work with Thomas and the CWA stuff, the main idea would take us very little time. If it worked, it would take us very little time, and then we'd just continue going back and forth. Uh, so I can't give you really give you a time period of how much it took, but we, we we worked pretty quickly, especially on the EPs. Maybe the album we did took a little while. It took a little longer because. Uh, we wanted it to be a very specific kind of album and wanted to be sure it also being our first album as CWA and only album as CWA. Uh, we wanted to, we put a little more time into that, but conducting the method I, think, I thought was pretty straightforward and was pretty quick. And I don't really, what's your favorite track? I don't have it on my like, <laughs> question. It would sound like an asshole if you say it and if you don't, you're not a <laughs> No, but I, I, um, my favorite track produced, uh, it's, I'd say, 
it's one of the cues for now the one i had the most fun making let's put it that way is one of the cues i did for this new national geographic documentary and it's it was really cool because i got to play with like real horns and uh vst horns and run them through all these crazy distortion plugins and distortion pedals and it came out really really weird i wasn't expecting it to be like that and i wasn't expecting them to the directors to like it but they did oddly enough they might change their mind um but yeah i, th- I think that's but also the, the the cwa album we did i thought was one of the highlights of my personal highlights of, of my career as a producer because i really enjoyed making it and i think it came out really well uh, as opposed to not the rest i'm i'm very very critical with my with my work i think i'm my own worst enemy in that from that point of view <laughs> because i'm always going to be as nasty as myself and myself on critiquing my own work so i feel like that album was the whole album i I would say is the one that uh i think is my one of my highlights that i enjoy the most thank you cool (laughs) and then a question from krista how do you record modular without all the crazy extra noise and how do you deal with producing around the modular recordings it's a big struggle yeah, <clears throat> I mean, personally, I like noise. I see it. I mean, not unwanted. I mean, this, it can be unwanted in some cases, but I usually take it as it comes, you know, just noise is noise and it's part of whatever is going on. Um, and I don't, I'm not bothered by it, you know. Um, I think the trick with modular is. I took the liberty, by the way, to answer this <laughs> question. Yeah. But uh, I think the trick with modular, if if you if you, um, uh, I mean, it's it's like with um, everything else we talked about. It, the the thing is, uh, it can be as as uh, complex as you want, and by getting lost in in the endless amount of possibilities, you can you can um, you can have the you know working with modulars work against you even you know because. Uh, there's always uh, a variation you can you can apply. There's always something different. So basically, you can you can start with something and have it go through twenty incarnations and end up with like completely different things. So the, you have to kind of make a decision at some point. Okay, this is where I'm gonna go with, and uh, have like a, a, a clear idea of what you want to achieve and and make your make your setup not as not too complex so you 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 still have a grasp of the system that you're working with um once it becomes too complex it uh, basically becomes uh very hard to get a result you know um modular is uh is dangerous in that way you know keep noodling you know have 12 hours of recordings and no track (laughs) (laughs) yeah i guess Uh, it's rocket science for me i don't know i wouldn't know where to start Yeah, media. I mean, I don't work with a bundler as well. Just for that reason, I would just finish nothing. Just sit there. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. noisy. They they are noisy, but the I think the 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 further you go into it, the the goal is to make it not noisy. It is to like smooth the corners and tame it. It's like taming the beast. That's a good um, one. Yeah, yeah. For me, that was what. Like I felt like that was the progression for me with with modulating. The minute it's really raw and it's noisy and it's like it's it's like punk rock. Um, but I just want to just tame it just enough because you know it should be like you know modulated. That's the whole point of it. Um, 
but yeah you can really lose it very quickly i struggle still to use the recordings in any of my tracks it's unfortunate yeah okay zooks one x i i you know I, that's probably hopefully that's a an alias <laughs> one or two modules from Rebecca that made you made you have that eureka moment. Yeah, what's maybe you, let's just say you're you're the ones you like to work with the most. What it's the I think the noise engineering. Um, which one is it? Which ones do I like the most? There's three of them that I have. I think I have the Manis, and I have. I can't, they've got really, really bizarre names, but noise engineering, say the Manus, it's noisy. Um, it's based on a sawtooth oscillator, so it's very, very noisy. Um, but then what I like to team that with is the Bastille's um, Ho no, CV Trinity, because it's just got low, it's got like six envelopes out, or six CVs out, sorry. So you can use it as a, yeah, you could just modulate so much with it. And it, and it also has like a little automation record as well. So if you play live, you can automate it, record it. Um, and that gives an extra layer. So you're not having to just, you know, automate it live, even though that's fun. Um, so, yeah, those two um, are, are like probably my favorite modules. Cool. Nice. Oh, another one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so no, this Torto again, again for Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, all my all my stuff pre I don't know pre two thousand and eighteen maybe last is, time I made anything under one three five. Is that a laughing emoji? I can't tell. Yeah, yeah, it's the chin stroker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen them around for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you can, you can get on. That was a question from uh, from somebody on Twitch. You can get you can do that on Twitch. Okay. <laughs> Uh, which is the noise okay. again. They're, they're chatting amongst each, amongst each other now, I guess. I don't know. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, it's so so. I guess uh, that's a good point, Rebecca. It's it's um, you know that's the whole point about modular. It's in the combination, right? It's uh, it's what you team up with what that makes the makes the module, um, or makes the you sort of the end result you're you're after. Mm. Um, okay, so. I mean, time is going so fast tonight. It's crazy. Yeah, it um, let's let's uh, I, okay. Let's let's do this. So sometimes or most of the time, we we give everybody an opportunity to plug or promote whatever they're doing or what they have coming out. So uh, maybe let's start again with Francesco. First of all, Francesco, Ooh. what what if people want to find out about what you're currently doing? Since you're not, uh, uh, since you have a lot of output which ends up in films, is there a place uh, that collects all the all the stuff you do? Well, I, the only social media I have and use is Instagram. I don't have anything else. So usually I will put anything that comes out or I do on there. And it usually is when it's out or about to be out. It's nothing that's going to be like way before. Um, I also have a website where I, which I, which is basically just a text. If you look at it, it's going to be so boring, but it's just like <laughs> links. <laughs> it's links where when, when the stuff is actually out. Um, for for I will, people who still read. Yeah, well, there's nothing else to do on that website. It's just white with black writing. So I got I, I still got to get to that thing. Probably this time would be the right time to fix it. But yeah, anyways, I, I will put anything on my Instagram and uh, I will share with anybody that's interested. And I'm happy to answer any questions. I'm 
not really precious about it. I actually enjoy it. Like this was a really nice talk. I enjoyed this very much. Awesome. All right. Yeah, and I get, for now I, I probably mentioned everything. So yeah, I think I feel like the two closest things are the short movie called Farewell, the National Geographic Nanook documentary, and the sample pack I'm doing with Ayarkana for his Colossus Audio website. And and all, it'll, it will all be on Instagram, so they will have links and everything, and they can go check it out. Cool, thanks. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I, I encourage people definitely to check that out. Um, uh, some really amazing stuff you did recently. So, thank you, thank you. Well huh? done. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Rebecca, you've you've not been sitting still. You told us about the the challenge in the beginning of the podcast. What else do you want to promote or mention? Um, Anything else? I do, I have a new release out. It came out on Monday on Somar. Um, so it's just a four track. EP. Um, it's a bunch of tracks. I think a couple I made this year and then a couple I made last year. Um, so yeah, if you're into my music, you can check those out. And that's really it. Yeah, I need to get back in the studio. <laughs> I need to challenge myself, <laughs> literally. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me, Joachim, on the show. Yeah, Good glad you could you make guys. it this time, and you you yeah. feel better. We'll, uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on the on the on your project for sure. And Tim, I I, I think we we talk we are talking now because you sent your new EP. Is that uh, is that already out in the in the meantime? Uh, that's out. Uh, what day is it? Sixth uh, of November. So that's next week, Friday, I think. Yeah, yeah, okay. next week, Friday. It's on my own label. So yeah. It's it's like a, I started it in March or something I think and I finished it in June so took a bit of time uh, to get everything sorted so that's out and then the 11th December the soundtrack I did for the Outlaw Ocean project will be released as well on their label and yeah that's about it for now I think I mean don't have any shows to promote so uh. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me man it was really it was really nice it was really yeah, nice uh, yeah. to all of you cool well thanks thanks for uh, all, all for being here and um, I had an awesome time it was a great great chat lots of new ideas again Likewise. as always and um, I have to thank the people who stayed with us in um, in the YouTube chat and who watched this on Twitch um, if you can't get enough of uh, producers, this music talk, uh, you can try visit our Discord server because um, lots of like-minded people and uh, people who are making music are hanging out there, exchanging information, stories, and uh, and ideas. It's a re becoming a really fun place uh, to hang out to kill your time. <laughs> um, so yeah, have a look there, and um, that's pretty much it, I think. So cool. thanks again. And, uh, thank you all. Thank you for having us. Thanks, man. Have a good week, everybody. Yeah, and, you uh, too. It was great to see you. Likewise. Ciao, ciao. Bye, guys. Ciao. Bye, bye. Ciao. Bye. <laughs>